This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Voters in Manchester, New Hampshire's largest city, picked their top two choices for mayor this week. Republican Jay Rue and Democrat Kevin Kavanaugh will face off in the November general election. The city's elections are technically nonpartisan, but party politics still inevitably play a role. I'm joined now by reporter Andrew Sylvia, who covered the primary for Manchester Inklink. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Andrew joins us by Zoom, and, and welcome to the recap for your first appearance here. Let's start with the basics. Um, who got the most votes? Rue received 4,313 votes, or about 42% of the total vote, followed by Kavanaugh at 2,578, which is about 25%. So what does that suggest about the shape of the race as we head towards November? As you mentioned earlier, uh, Manchester's municipal elections are technically nonpartisan, but the two major parties will still play a significant role. So we'll need to see if supporters of the other Democratic candidates that did not advance, Alderman June Trishioni and Will Stewart, fall behind Kavanaugh. Municipal elections, particularly primaries, have very low turnout, usually around 10 to 20 percent. So that also could play a role if voters become more aware of the race as November approaches and turnout is higher than normal. I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, Jay Rue. Uh, how is he presenting himself to voters? Uh, Rue has often shared his backstory about someone who's turned his life around from substance abuse, later joining the National Guard and uh, earning a spot under the administration of former Mayor Frank Ginta. Uh, he's also reaching out to voters from across the spectrum, and his message is one of pragmatism tinged with some conservative talking points. Are there any particular policies that he's campaigning on? His trademark issue is probably the main issue in the campaign for most voters, and that's homelessness. His approach there can probably be summed up by a quote he used often in his speeches in that he seeks to have a trampoline rather than a hammock for homeless people in the city by providing services that help them reintegrate to society, but not being afraid to modify the services. And what about Kevin Kavanaugh? Uh, he currently sits on the Manchester Board of Aldermen. How is he pitching himself to, to Manchester residents? Uh, Kavanaugh's building upon his local experience as a lifelong resident, as well as a blue-collar telephone company worker, and as a consensus builder on the board of mayor and aldermen and in the state senate. Uh, for many, if he won, it would be seen as something as a continuation of uh, current Mayor Joyce Craig's tenure, but it's yet to be seen how similar he would be to Craig if he did win. Well, and I want to ask you about uh, Mayor Joyce Craig, um, a Democrat, not running for election, of course. Instead, she's running for governor in 2024. So what are voters saying about her legacy in the city and, and how that's going to shape uh, the next mayor? Well, opponents of Craig's time in office voice frustration with what they feel has been a lack of action on the issue of homelessness and concerns about property taxes. Uh, Craig has challenged this with the view that she's done all she can as a mayor on those issues and that the state has not done enough to help municipalities, one of the key reasons she's running for governor. She's also touted the various federal grants that her office had brought to the city over her time in office, most notably the $43 million grant for growing the biofabrication industry in the milliard. So voters have uh, homelessness uh, on their mind, but they also have, I imagine, other issues. Um, I'm thinking about affordable housing in general. Oh, that's correct. One, one thing that Mayor Craig has talked about often is over the last few months, uh, over 2,000 new housing units have been approved by uh, either the planning department or the planning board. The only issue is how soon that those units will be coming on board. There's currently a 0.5% vacancy rate in the city in terms of uh, housing availability, so prices are very high. And we'll need to see what can be done to help speed along the uh, increase of housing availability in the city. So, Andrew, how, how are Rue and Kavanaugh talking about the housing issue? Where do they differ? 
they don't differ that much. All the candidates in the race so far have talked about facilitating the process for developers, and everyone agrees that more housing is needed. So either way, something's going to happen. There's a, there's a definite demand for it. The only question is how that happens. Any other issues that have come up as of yet? In terms of crime, uh, and one thing where both candidates agree on, as well as the other candidates who did not advance, is uh, hiring more police officers. Uh, currently, the city is about 20 officers lower than where it should be per FBI recommendations for a city the size of Manchester. And uh, uh, Chief Aldenberg has been trying to hire new officers for a while now, and the uh, Board of Mayor and Alderman have been supportive of that. But mainly, homelessness is the key issue, as well as housing, crime, education, and property taxes. So uh, please stay tuned to Manchester Drinkling for that. All right, we will. Andrew Sylvia, the assistant editor of Manchester Inkling. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Patrick. It is Morning Edition on NHPR, and we're recapping this week's news. If you've got questions and you want to inform our reporting, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at voices at nhpr.org. I'm joined now by NHPR reporter Josh Rogers. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Ryan. So you were listening to uh, my discussion with Andrew about the mayoral race in Manchester. I mentioned that Mayor Joyce Craig is campaigning to be governor. How is her legacy in Manchester influencing the race for governor? Well, it's pretty clear that Manchester is going to loom large in the gubernatorial race so long as Joyce Craig is running in that race. She does have a primary and... Uh, the the Manchester sort of front and center role presently will obviously diminish should Cindy Warmington win the Democratic nomination. But right now, Manchester uh, really running against the ills of Manchester, uh, real or exaggerated, uh, is what the Republican Party and the and the Republican candidates seeking their nomination um, are doing. Um, yesterday, I was at a Republican event, a breakfast event in Bedford, where. Chuck Morris was among the speakers, and at one point, uh, Chuck Morris, former Senate president, uh, you know, ran for Senate last U.S. Senate, didn't get out of the primary, now running for governor, uh, the job he really says he always wanted. Um, Morris was speaking, and at one point, he said something to the effect of, "We don't want the the state to be like Manchester," you know, uh, you know, referring obliquely to its crime, homelessness, drugs, et cetera. Um, you know, but he was he was making this pronouncement. I mean, he couldn't have been you know three miles from from Manchester city limits in a room where a good deal of the crowd probably works in Manchester. But I will say the line got its uh, desired effect. Uh, so we'll see, and we'll also see you know how the Manchester mayor's race goes. It will be interesting to watch. I mean, partisan control in Manchester. The mayor's office can bounce around it. Uh, tends to do that after mm-hmm. one party's had control of the mayor's office for a while. Democrats have obviously controlled it under Joyce Craig. The Rue-Kavanaugh matchup is, in a lot of ways, a pretty much off-the-shelf partisan feel. Um, you know, Rue's story is a little different uh, than, than, you know, maybe be a slightly less law and order, uh, given his personal history. Um, you know, but but these races in Manchester for Manchester America can often take on a very lowest common do- denominator feel o- over issues around crime, and yeah. so we'll we'll see how this one goes. Okay, I also want to talk to you about uh, Democrats winning a seat in the New Hampshire House in a special election on Tuesday. How will that affect the the partisan split going on at the state house? Well, Hal Rafter uh, defeated James Guzowski for a seat representing Northwood in Nottingham. Um, it's a pretty big win for Rafter. Democrats tend to do better in special elections than Republicans. And, you know, there was some hand-wringing um, by some over uh, seeing this as a, kind of a canary in the coal mine and that Guzowski really sort of wrapped himself around Donald Trump 
politically and Democrats really went after him as, as kind of a Trumpist. And, you know, how much of an effect that had is hard to know. Um, but as far as the partisan count, it really shrinks the uh, GOP margin to a seat. Uh, now it's 198 Republican, 197 Democrat. There are two independents who um, you know, are basically you could expect them to vote with their original parties. One is a Republican, one is a Democrat. So we have another special election coming in November. So, you know, the bottom line is it's tight and getting tighter, uh, heading towards dead even, perhaps. Um, and, you know, this week we also had two resignations in the House. One, uh, Gorham Representative Bill Hatch, been in the House for a long time, rep- uh, resigned over, over health reasons. Mm-hmm. The other is a little less typical. You referred to it in the newscast uh, just before this segment, uh, Troy Murner, a Lancaster Republican, uh, according to the Attorney General's office, hasn't been living in his district for more than a year. Uh, he resigned this week suddenly. Apparently, it was at the urging of House Speaker Packard after the Attorney General notified Packard. Mm-hmm. That Murner hadn't been living in Lancaster. Uh, Murner denies uh, the allegation. He talked to you know our colleague Todd Bookman said that that it's not quite as the AG says. Um, you know it. it That's it, not all that unusual though in a four hundred member House to have resignations going. No, no, the resignations always come. But uh, yeah. and you know certainly um, you know I, I've heard of uh, eccentric living arrangements by reps through the years. But this <laughs> this is the first time that this is uh, yeah. risen to this level. And you know in in the, the implications in a House so tightly divided are interesting. I mean there yeah, are that's bills, what I wanted to ask you about. There are it. bills that failed or succeeded by a single vote, and in instances when Troy Murner cast a, a vote, um, you could argue these outcomes were were sort of invalid or at a minimum tainted. So, you know, lots of questions, including how many of his colleagues may have been aware of his living situation and did, you know, did Republican leaders have reason to know that uh, that his situation wasn't quite on the up and up? I right. mean, um, you know, and so we'll see how this plays out. But, but yeah, know. I mean, how, how much can really get done, Josh, in, a, in an evenly split house like this, especially in a time of nationalization of, of local politics? Well, we'll see. The second year of any legislative term um, tends to get a little bit more partisan as you ramp up towards election season. You know, the, 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 it ought to be said that the House did come together and pass a budget in a bipartisan fashion in a way that was really without precedent. In mm-hmm. my experience this last year, I mean, there are some issues where it doesn't really cleave along partisan lines. Marijuana legalization is one. There is a there was a, a study commission looking at that, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes, um, particularly with Governor Sununu, who's been, you know, kind of, you know, lukewarm to cold on legalization, but has suggested it's inevitable with him not seeking another term. You know, does he does he let a bill go through if it can reach his desk? You know, can a bill get through the Senate? I mean, it will get through the House in all likelihood. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, and also with Sununu, like... You know, if things do happen, how does he choose to wield a veto pen, you know, right. as, he, as he heads out the door? So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot to think about. And, you know, it's always easy to hope before they get to Concord that there will be compromise. That's what they say. But it, it will it'll be interesting. In other political news, 2024 presidential hopefuls continue to campaign here. Um, Josh, who did you see on the trail this week and, and what were they what were they talking about? Well, uh, Tim Scott, a Republican senator from South Carolina, was here. I saw him give a speech uh, in Wyndham. Um, you know, he's someone sort of in the in the in the kind of clump of Republican candidates who are in the high single digits in most polls, or at least mid high single digits. I mean, we're in a weird situation where Donald Trump, according to the polls, is outpacing the, the field by like a three to one margin. So, you know, people the the polling numbers can bounce around. I mean, Tim Scott 
went over pretty well in the room. I mean, he he gives sort of sort of a full spectrum conservatism, sort of uh, sunny, uh, sort of Christian inflected. Uh, you know, he he sort of hit his marks. I mean, he talks about backing the blue. He talks about uh, fiscal discipline, term limits. He, he was asked a question by an AARP uh, bird dogger uh, sort of person who said. You know, what are we going to do about Social Security? And he said, you know, we can I mean, he made the case that we can um, we can keep this going just by growing the economy at five percent a year, which might be a tall order. Um, but, you know, he's he's in the mix of people uh, either looking to get on the national ticket as a vice president, if not president, and, you know, hoping to sort of wait around. And, and you know, if, if Donald Trump implodes, maybe maybe he can rise up and other candidate who is here today, was here yesterday, is another South Carolinian, um, former governor and former UN ambassador, Nikki Haley. She spoke in Bedford yesterday and also in Portsmouth. And, you know, she went over pretty well. She, a polling would indicate that she has some momentum in New Hampshire. A uh, poll from UNH put her in a statistical tie for second with Vivek Ramaswamy. Again, you know, 30, 25 plus points behind right. um, Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. But, you know, Haley, voters I talked to said that they, they're giving Haley a serious look. Several said they like the way she addresses issues uh, firmly without uh, sort of the sharp edges of, of some of the other Republicans in the race. Particularly, I talked to several people who said, well, you know, I was potentially supporting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He seems to be fading. I mean, mm -hmm. it is still early. Uh, I'm not counting him out, but he, they were saying he seems to be fading. You know, I like Nikki Haley. Uh, she certainly has a, a, a political resume that, you know, holds some appeal for Voters who predate, you know, whose republicanism sort of predates Donald Trump, um, you know, she takes a more staunch line on national security than than um, some Republicans these days. She got some pushback over her call for Foursquare support for Ukraine, which was interesting to listen to. So we'll see with her, but she seems to be heading in the right direction right now. NGPR's Josh Rogers, our senior political reporter. Josh, thank you. You're welcome, Rick. You can find more of his work and all of the stories that we talked about this morning, as always, at NHPR.org. And we're here next Friday with a fresh one. I'm Rick Ganley. This is NHPR.